you team so much. Y'all are incredible. Um, man, what a powerful Sunday morning. Uh, Emmy has been telling the truth. This series, The Cost, uh, I know that I preach it, but I want to tell you that I'm like wrecking my own life with this series. Um, and, and looking at the Word of God, I feel like I'm changing. I feel like my perspective is growing, and honestly, I feel closer to Him each and every week that we gathered. So thanks for being here this Sunday morning. Uh, super pumped to be with y'all. We are in the series, like I said, The Cost. And this is all about the cost of being a disciple. If you open up your Bibles, you find this chapter in Luke. Okay, we're going to go to it. Find this chapter in Luke, and it is titled, The Cost of Being a Disciple. Um, look at what it says. And if you don't have your Bible, you can read it here. I believe, what chapter is it? Luke 11? Oh my gosh, forget my notes. Don't judge me, okay? Uh, all right, so we're going to read it right here. Look at the screen. One day when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told him, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. These are extreme words. That's a very intense statement. Hey, church person. Hey, individual soul. Hey, Nick Miller. Understand, understand that what it costs to follow me. Yes, my grace is free. Yes, there is forgiveness for you. Yes, through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, you are made right. But, but there is a response. There is a life response to this grace. There is a life response to this gift of love. And so we're going to be talking about that. Yes, even one's own self cannot be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. It keeps on going. Is there anyone here who planning to build a new house, doesn't first sit down and figure the cost so you'll know if you can complete it. If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he could not finish. Luke chapter 14. We've been sharing that same scripture for four weeks in a row right now. I hope that you've been remembering. I, I hope that you get the gist of it. Man, there is a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. There's a cost of being a disciple of Jesus, okay? So consider the cost. The great sacrifices, someone say sacrifices. sacrifices. The great sacrifices that we need to make in our following of Christ. This following of Christ does not mean that your life stays the same. There is a new life for you. There is a new way for you. There are sacrifices that we make day in and day out as a follower of Jesus. And I say this every week, I want to get this very straight. Grace and forgiveness is freely given, but that grace, that gift, that forgiveness, it comes with a life response. When you receive a love that is so great, when you realize that the debt has been paid, how could you not live a, a different life? When you taste something that is so good, it changes something in you forever and ever. And so that's what we're talking about when it comes to the sacrifices. There are things in our life that changes. There are things in our life that we give up that we no longer hold on to. And so today, this is the bottom line for today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. <laughs> when we place our life in his hands, in Christ's hands, we also place our plans in his hands. We place our plans in his hands. First week we talked about priority. Someone say priority. Priority. No longer, no longer is he like fourth priority. The sacrifice that we need to make is that he is above everything else. I need to sacrifice my work. I need to sacrifice my family. I need to sacrifice whatever it is. My desires, what I like to do with my I am prioritizing Jesus over everything. That's what we talked about week one. Week two was self. Lower yourself. <laughs> the price of following Jesus is that you are last. 
It's hard. It's hard to live a life like that. And last week we talked about the price of comfort. You cannot follow this Jesus without being uncomfortable. If you want to live a comfortable, gushy life, this Jesus thing isn't for you. <laughs> and then lastly, I want to wrap up with this, that your plans, your plans are no longer your own. When you place your life in his hands, you essentially give him control. Who here likes control? All of us. Thank you. Thank you. We give him total control over our plans and the course of our life. That's scary. I don't like that. I don't like that. But listen to how Jesus teaches us to pray. Famous. You guys know this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will. Someone say will. will. Your will. Your plan. Your design. What you want to do right now, Jesus? Let it be done. Not what Nick Miller wants to do, because I'd be sleeping. Preach. <laughs> Not what Nick Miller wants to do, but what you want to do, Jesus. I don't want to do what Nick Miller wants to do anymore. When I commit my life to you, it's your will be done. And that's really hard for us to understand, and especially in our Western context. We don't like people being in control of us. We don't like people telling us what to do. Can I get an Amen. amen. So this is a whole different mentality that we need to start embracing. Amen. Come on. Your will be done. That means that you might want to sleep in, but God's calling you to serve on a Sunday and push spacebar on a keyboard so that words can go up on a screen. On a screen. Your will be done, God. Your will be done. I could be sleeping right now. It'd be real nice. But your will be done. The price, ultimately, and I know that's a little example, but the price is your plan. The price to following Jesus is understanding that he is in control of your destiny, of your plan. He's got it all sorted out for you. And the thing that's amazing about him is he's not a mean dictator type of God. He works with you gently through it. And he's so kind. And he walks with you through this process, through this plan, through this amazing course that he has for you and for me. If you are a son or daughter of God, you have an incredible calling on your life. An incredible calling that you can't do on your own. So uh, I, I, like everyone else here, you have the, when you're five years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? Firefighter, astronaut, all that type of stuff. Um, so I want to tell you, I've gone through many career, let me tell you this, pastor was not my first career choice. It's not, you know, it's not an overwhelming amount of money. All right, let's just be honest. Okay. It's a big sacrifice, okay? And so I had many other dreams, many other aspirations that I wanted to be when I was younger. Uh, I wanted to always be an athlete, okay? I love sports in general, soccer, football, baseball, hockey. I, I tried ice skating. Terrible at it, okay? I'm one of those wall crawler people, so I'm like, Sidney Crosby, I'm just never going to catch up to this guy, okay? So I'm not, it's just not going to work for me. I had a plan. I thought I was going to be an athlete. Nope, okay? That didn't turn out well. Then I watched this amazing movie called Saving Private Ryan. Anyone ever see that? There's this moment of this sniper that takes out another sniper. And I saw that. And I was probably eight years old, and I screamed. Screamed joy. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is cool. Can you imagine me in the Army? <laughs> I'm being serious. I wanted to be in the Army so bad. I was going to be, oh, I'm going to be a sniper. I'm going to be in like, that green uniform. I'm going to be super hype. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to be in shape. I can't even handle my wife kind of yelling at me in a mean tone sometimes. Let alone a guy that I don't even know and doesn't even care about me telling me I'm awful and telling me to run. I couldn't handle that. No. Then there was this phase 
I bought this book, and it was a magic book. <laughs> I devoted my life to being a magician. I kid you not, I learned how to levitate. It's awesome. Okay. I won't do it right now. Okay. But I wanted to be a magician. And David Blaine, oh my gosh, when he's like, oh, he's just so cool. Okay. I wanted to be like him. I'm watching all these videos. And then I get like my one card trick that I got down. Um, I thought I was the coolest person ever. And then my brother looked at me. He's like, bro, it's, it's, it's really not that cool. I'm like, Shattered dreams, okay? So magic didn't work out for me. Then I was like, hey, my dad, he forced me into an audition with the church and worship team. Forced, okay? I didn't want to sing, all right? Then I got into singing. Lord knows I wanted to be Justin Bieber. I thought I was going to be featured with Drake. I thought I was going to be famous, make it to Hollywood. I had my outfits all planned out. I was going to be the coolest R&B singer ever. I'm in Monroeville, PA right now, right? <laughs> didn't work out. Didn't work out. So all I'm saying is I had all these plans. I had all these plans. And can I tell you, there was a moment where I, I tried out an audition for American Idol and kind of made it, kind of didn't, and it worked out, whatever. And there was a moment where they said, no. Sorry, you can't progress further on the show. They kicked me out, jerks. By the way, it's not what it looks like, okay? It's Hollywood. It's fake. Anyways, so I received the no. They don't pass me through the next round. And I walk out of this door, and I've told you this story. I walk out of the door, and I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. My mom is over here cheering because she thinks I made it. I'm like walking out. I just got denied. Yes, oh, my gosh, it's awesome. She's like, my baby's coming to Hollywood. I'm screaming. I was like, no, Mom, I didn't. I didn't make it. And it was in that moment where I was praying to God about what I was supposed to do with my life. And it was in that moment when he shut a door where I was determined and I felt a pull in my spirit to go to college and pursue ministry. Again, not a lot of money. Great job, bro. Pursued ministry. And so I went across the world, lived in Australia for a year and, and built, my God built my character and my spirit and showed me things and taught me so much. And I got to learn from so many great people and and came back and started serving in ministries, and, and I somehow ended up here. Mr. Sniper Guy, when he was eight years old, somehow is right here, right now. And can I can I tell you, I, I wouldn't change where I'm at yeah, in the world. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And so I mentioned this. I mentioned this thing earlier about your will be done. And believe me, I'm not perfect at at this. There are plenty of times that God is speaking to me, little and big moments, right? Little moments like. You should apologize to your wife. And it's like, sir, I know, but do you know what she did to me? Do you know? You need to make this big move. Start a new church, Nick. God, but do you, I, I, your will be done, except like, I don't want to look foolish and I'm really scared. Do you know how many times we say your will be done, but? Your will be done, except. Anyone else have this problem? Or am I? I have this problem all the time. Your will be done. God's calling you to give to someone and, and, and put yourself out there. I do this all the time. When I go to Giant Eagle, I like go and evangelize. It's a really weird thing. And I say, God, your will be done. And he puts someone on my mind and on my heart to, to go and talk to. And sometimes I chicken out. Your will be done. But they look so disinterested. They definitely don't want to talk to me. Nope, nope, nope. Your will be done. Except it's kind of late. I got to gotta get home and watch my Netflix show. Your will be done, but let me give you a, a, a greater example. 
You know what a missionary is? Someone who travels across the world, plants churches, and, and builds the kingdom of God. Do you know how scary that is? For Nick Miller and Comfy Cozy Monroe PA to pick up and go to Malaysia? I'm over here saying, God, your will be done. What if he spoke that to me? What if he spoke it to you? Your will be done. But Malaysia? Hmm. What about this? The scripture talks about loving your enemies. You have this beautiful laptop, and someone steals the laptop, you know who it is. And God says, go buy them a laptop case. It will be done, except not for this guy. We see the problem there. And I'm guilty of it all the time. I make this decision all the time. I give the but or the except all the time. I'm imperfect, but I have found that every time that I do say yes and I do follow the command and when I feel it in my spirit to go and do something and I follow through with it, it results in life change. Yeah. It results in something very big. It always results in something very big. Yeah, I was scared about this church thing, but I feel like we're building something incredible. Not Nick Miller building something incredible. We, God, Christ, the Holy Spirit is building something incredible. So I got a question for you today. If Christ called upon you, you've given your life to him. You've placed your plans in his hands. If Christ called upon you to make a kingdom move, would you take a step? Sometimes it might be easier to take the little ones. Sometimes the little steps are terrifying. Again, what if he called you to Malaysia? What if he seriously is speaking that into your spirit? Would you take that step? So I want to talk about a story, and, and I, I preach this story a lot, but I don't preach it about one specific character. There's this man named Saul. Someone say Saul. 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 He was known in the New Testament before as he, he was Saul, and then he became Paul. Before he was a Pharisee, a religious leader, he was a murderer and a persecutor of Christians, people who had faith like you and me. He would go around and say, they believe differently than me. They're blaspheming against the real one and true God. We need to kill them. I got a question for you. I got a question for me. Sitting in Monroeville, right on Haymaker. Nick Miller. What if Christ asked you to care for a notorious persecutor and murderer and bring them into your home? What if Christ asked you and you know who this man is, notorious. He is a not good dude. You know who this man is. Bring this man into your home. Give him food, shelter, water. Take time out of your work week to care for this guy who hates people like you. Would you do it? Can I be honest? Probably wouldn't. The rationale starts kicking in. I've got two little kids. What if he does something to them, right? I gotta work. I need to make my money. Why would I give someone the extra bed in my room and, and have them eat all my stuff? And like, I want my stuff. It's my chips. My Zevias. <laughs> Zevias are a healthy pop. Thank you, Emmy. Thank you. My Zevias. Carrie drinks all mine. She stops over every other day and drinks all my Zevias. Okay. What if Christ asked you to seriously care for this notorious persecutor of people like you, throwing people like you in jail, throwing your family into jail, throwing friends into jail? What if he asked you to bring them into your house and love on them? Mm. I don't think so, buddy. Not for me. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want this dude in my home. 
So the story, we can open up if you got your Bibles. This is so good. This is such a good part. This is Acts chapter 9. This is about Saul's conversion. God meets Saul. Christ meets Saul in such an extraordinary way. This is Acts chapter 9 verse 1. This story is incredible. It's, it's a miraculous arrival, and, and Jesus does something pretty crazy. Saul gets knocked off his horse, but let's just read it. Look at this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous. Someone say murderous. Murderous threats. I'm not kidding you guys. This is real. He literally wants to end believers' life. <laughs> murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Remember that word, disciples, disciples, disciples. He went on to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, <laughs> belonged to Christ, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell on the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? What is he? He's a murderer and he's a persecutor. We see those in those two words right there, murderer and persecutor. Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. This is where it comes in. Someone say Ananias. 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 If there's anything I want to encourage you today, I want to encourage you to be like Ananias. It goes on. In Damascus, there was a disciple, right? We talked about that earlier. Murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. And in Damascus, there was a disciple. So Saul, this man Saul, who would eventually become Paul, is literally Ananias' enemy. How many people are holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness right now just because someone said something mean about you? Yeah. This dude's killing your friends and your family. Yeah, that's crazy. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. I want to stop right there. Look at Ananias' posture. He has learned to obey the king. He says, yes, yeah. Lord. He begins with a yes. Yeah, that's good. He is preparing himself that in the conversation to come, his heart posture is already yes. Yes, Lord. I'm here. I have an open heart. What do you need from me? I'll do it. I'm open to anything that you would tell me. Let me know. Yes, Lord. Do you begin with a yes, Lord? Do I begin with a yes, Lord? Is my heart open when he starts whispering to me? Because sometimes it's not always loud, right? When he starts whispering to me, is my heart posture, is my soul and spirit posture to say yes? He begins with a yes. I think that that's so powerful for you and me to understand. He begins with a yes, and he answers with an open heart. It goes on. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. In other words, he has seen you come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. I want to stop right there as well. 
I've, I've struggled with this, and we talked about this in church before, about the 55% rule, okay, which is Nick Miller's way of making a decision. If I feel 55% good about something, I pretty much go with it. And what I love about this story is that we can expect that Christ will confirm his plan and reveal his plan with clarity. Do you wait for that clarity? Do you wait for that moment where he is going to speak directly to you and give you an open vision on what he's going to do? I love that he made it very plain for Ananias. He said, here's where, when, how, what. All of the answers, all the questions that you can have, it's right here. I'm making it plain to you. And Nick Miller, I have a hard time waiting to hear the clarity of the plan. I have a hard time waiting to hear exactly what his will is. Can I learn to be more patient? Can I learn to open up my heart more like Ananias? Absolutely. We can expect, you and I, we can expect that Christ will confirm his plans and he will make them clear. He will make them clear. You do not have to be unsure. You don't have to be wish-washy. And in fact, if you feel that way often in your life, can you go to him after today's message or even right now and say, God, I want clarity on this. God, I'm about to start a business. I want clarity. Is this what you want from me? God, this person came into my life. I'm single right now. They seem really hot and great. Is this what you want? Is this clarity for me? How do I navigate this? And God will give you clarity. God promises he will give you clarity and confirm his plans. It keeps going. Lord, Ananias, this is where Nick Miller would come in. This is my statement right here. Lord, Ananias replied, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. All the harm that he's done to you and to me. And he has come here with the authority from chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. All who call on your name. This is Nick Miller. This is the your will be done. But, uh, nope, he's a murderer. Not for me. Not for me. Uh, your will be done, except, have you seen what he's done in his past? In fact, it was only three days ago. He was chasing down people, you know, just a few hours ago. Not interested in having that in my home. Nope. Nope. Your will be done, except, your will be done. But, you know what I love about God? Just because we give up our plan doesn't mean that we cannot share our heart. Amen. I love that he has so much grace for us. He didn't shame Ananias for being rational for a second. God knows that what he's asking him to do is pretty radical. It's okay. Oh, my gosh. God, you really want me to start this thing. God. And, and, and one of the best decisions of my life is getting married to Emmy. But do you know that? Feel? I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting married. Right? But God has grace for that. God has grace for me, and, and, and the questions that I may have or the clarity that I'm seeking, he has grace for it. He understands. This is, a, this is an irrational moment for Ananias. So he's not going to shame him. He's not going to scorn him. He's not going to make him feel like trash for questioning or for asking for some clarity. Just because we give up our plan doesn't mean that we cannot share our heart with him. In fact, I actually think to God it was quite pleasing that Ananias was being open with him. And he doesn't necessarily need a good soldier all the time, but hey, God, I'm feeling this type of way and I'm kind of afraid about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not digging this. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this, is my, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much more he will suffer for my name. It keeps on going. 
Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands, just like God instructed, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, what? Brother Saul, you have to really cast aside your plans to call this man brother. You have to really, you have to really make God your priority. You really have to prioritize your, yourself last. You better be ready for some uncomfortable things. Like this is proof that he's a true disciple. Calling this man brother. After you killed my family and my friends and my community, call you brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and has filled me with the Holy and will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Look at what happened when this man was faithful. This man had his life changed forever. A miracle happened, and he got baptized. In other words, he was saying, My old self is gone. I'm committing my life to this Jesus. Just because he invited him into his house? Just because he said yes to this plan, this irrational, crazy plan, look at what happened. This man was baptized. But not only that, the irrational plan would bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Didn't you read that? God says he's my chosen instrument to go to the Gentiles and to the kings and bring the gospel across the world. This wasn't just one man. This wasn't just like one moment of like being really nice and it made a difference for one person. We're talking about Ananias. <laughs> is the one who established and helped Paul find his way. And Paul would go and eventually write the majority of this New Testament book that you and I have placed our faith in, this Jesus. He would go on to be the greatest, the greatest spreader of the gospel the world has ever seen. Ananias, one act of faithfulness changed the course of history. One act of saying yes to God's plan and no to my own plan. Yes to God's crazy, mysterious, irrational course and, and no to my... Ananias was very rational. Murderer or persecutor of my people? No. But saying yes to God's plan changed everything. Saul, it would go on, this is the very next, very next scripture, uh, very next verse. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus at once. Someone say at once. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus was the Son of God, and all those who heard him were astonished. This is an incredible story. Ananias, in one act of obedience to Christ's plan, would drastically change the course, the direction, and the outcome of the early church. Amen. Do you think that Ananias fully understood the magnitude of inviting this Saul into his house? Do you think that you can fully understand the magnitude of buying that person who stole from you a laptop case? Do you understand what could happen? If God says to do something, do you understand what can happen if you do it? Hey, this person's hungry. Can you, can you give them something to eat? Can you encourage them today? It might be uncomfortable. Sometimes when we work in homeless ministries, it can be uncomfortable. But do you understand what this can do? This meal, this word of encouragement, even though it's not the perfect conditions for you in your life, do you understand what happens when you say yes to God's plan? Do you get it? One, one obedient man changed the course of the church. And then his story just kind of ends. But 
But then we realize that Saul, Paul's story, was based off of this man being faithful. Yeah. Come on. Wow. Can I be like Ananias? And here's the wonderful thing. Here's the wonderful thing I'll say. Is I don't even want all the accolades of Paul. We all sometimes think we're only useful to the kingdom. Oh, let me preach this. We're only useful to the kingdom if we have a mic and we have a following on Instagram. And we have so many people seeing us. Look at Ananias. He just invited someone in his house. You want to talk about effectiveness for the gospel? Come on. You want to talk about growing the kingdom? He didn't have the microphone. He built the guy who had the microphone. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good preach. And when he gets into heaven, <laughs> and when he turns around and God says, good and faithful servant, look at what happened. He's going to see Paul right behind him, and then the billions of people that resulted from Paul's influence. Yeah. Yeah. Ananias. Ananias. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to live like. When God pours something so clear and irrational, I want to say yes to it. And I'm okay with being uncomfortable. I'm okay with prioritizing myself last and prioritizing him first. I'm cool with it. Here's my plans. Go. And so there's four things. There's four things that I've learned in, in following God's plan, in following the will of God. And am I perfect at it? No. No. But here's some things that I've learned that I really want to share with you today. First is this. Christ's plans for you are always greater than you can imagine. They are always going to be greater than what you can picture for yourself. Again, look at Ananias. All he's focused on is, wow, this guy is coming into my house, eating my food, and at one point i got to pray for him. That's what Ananias was thinking. But what happened with Paul and Saul was way greater than he could ever imagine. Again, we're talking about billions and billions of people finding their place in heaven because Ananias said yes. Greater than you can imagine. Look at this. God can do anything you know. Far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around. We started with that earlier, right? Not by pushing us around, but by working within us his spirit deeply and gently within us. God didn't force himself on Ananias. Christ didn't force himself on Ananias. He worked with him so that miraculous things could happen. And again, it is greater than Ananias could have ever imagined or dreamed. Do you think that Ananias saw the book of Romans or the book of 1 Corinthians when he invited Paul into his house? Do you think he saw that? No. He didn't. Look at what happened. It's greater than you can ever imagine. That's number one. So God's plans are going to be greater than you can ever imagine. Number two, Christ's plans for you are not always about you. We live in a Western world where everything is about me. I got my cool Instagram. I got my cool car. My, car, my, my job pays me. My house is awesome. I want it my way. I want my life done my way. We are so centered around ourselves. Can I get an amen? amen. We're so centered around ourselves. And dare I say that Christ's plans for you are just not going to be about you. They're not going to be about you. Christ being the example himself. He took away his divinity and became a man so that you and I can find freedom. If it were up to Christ and he had this discussion with God himself, he was about to be captured, put in, in chains and beaten and, and thrown up on a cross. And he says, hey, pass this cup for me, God. I don't want to do this. But it wasn't about Jesus says, for the hope, for the joy that he had, he would endure the cross. The joy was you and me. 
Christ's plans, even for himself, were not about him. Can we practice not making it about us? Because again, we're giving him our plans anyways. And what God does with your life is not for the benefit solely of you, but for the benefit of the kingdom. Look at this. We will show mercy. I love how the Hebrews puts it. We will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others. For these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. How did we define the cost as a, a sacrifice that we make in response to the freedom, the grace, and the forgiveness that we've been given? That's what it is. So look at this sacrifice. This is God's plan for you that you would do everything possible. You would do everything possible for those who are broken, those who are lost, those who have not, those who are sick. That's what this is all about. Nick Miller is not here to get a paycheck and to build a cool church and have a dope Instagram. And I allow you guys as the church, if I ever get that way, kick me out. Seriously. It's not about me. It's not about this cool thing. It's about reaching the lost. It's about making a difference in the world. It's about loving people extravagantly. Please, church, the moment's about me. Get me out. I also say the moment it's about you, church, it just won't happen here. We're a church that's committed to God's plan for people, not ourselves. And God's going to bless you. God's going to do some amazing things for you. But God's plan is not about you. It's about the kingdom and about bringing people to him. Amen? Amen. I know i got to say some hard stuff, but I don't care. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. When you follow his plan, this is number three, when you follow his plan, Christ will sort out every other area of your life in a heavenly way. We're so worried about the details. Let's say God has inspired you with a business, but oh my gosh, I have two kids at home and I don't know if I can sacrifice that amount of time. If God's calling you to it, he will sort everything out with your little ones. He'll sort everything out with your family. He'll make sure that everything is done in a heavenly way. Do you think Ananias had the same thoughts? He probably missed out on some work days because he has a murderer in his house. Probably wouldn't leave him in my house alone, even though it'd be scary. Missed out on some work days. Might not have seen family. He probably had a Friday night plan. He was going to have a great time with friends. Skipped out on that too. And God sorted out everything in a heavenly way. Sorted out all the details. I love this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. This is Proverbs chapter 3. It says this. Trust in the Lord God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all of your plans, in all of your thoughts, in all of your desires, submit them to him and he will make your path straight. In other words, it will all be sorted out. When you give him control of everything, when you lean on him, whenever you give him control of the plans, here they are, God. Take them. I'll follow what you say. He'll make sure that you got finances in the bank. He'll make sure that you are healthy and live long. And let me also say this for those of you who are thinking, well, God doesn't come through whenever I'm sick or, you know, my loved one was sick and they passed. But don't you realize that there was a greater healing from that moment? That he sorted that out. Like I look at my uh, Emily's brother who had passed. It makes me emotional every time I talk about it. Didn't get to meet him. But in my earthliness, I wish I would have. And I, I wish I would have had the chance to have dinner with him, talk with him, be with him, joke with him. 
I think he would have thought I'm an okay guy. But I'm grateful that greater healing happened. It's not my plans. The truth is that he received the ultimate healing. Selfishly, I want him here. I would love to know Chris. But in a heavenly way, I know that it's way better. It's way better. He'll make the path straight when you lean on him. Last thing, number four. The more you follow his plan, the more your heart naturally aligns with his. It is hard sometimes to get the plan right. It's hard to figure this out. Sometimes it's hard to hear his voice. Sometimes we don't know if left or right. What do I do? All I know is that I found in my life, again, whenever that door closed earlier, when we were talking about American Idol, when that door closed and I came out smiling, I felt God's plan in action. That was one of the first times that I ever said, whoa, this is what it feels like to be in his plan right now, to to be following him like this. And so I feel like I've, and, and it's a learning process. Again, I'm telling you, I'm not perfect. It's a learning process, right? I'm not so familiar all the time. It's not like he speaks, Nick, go left today. Eat this cheeseburger. He doesn't do that with me. I'm learning. I hope he does one day. And I'm getting there. I'm learning and discovering more. And the more that I follow through with it, when I take a step to get married to the woman that is going to blow my dreams away, right? When I take a step that is going to build a church and establish a church that's centered on him, that like speaks the love of Christ over our city, when I build that type of church, when I follow him, I become more and more aware of his voice and I can align myself more and more with him. It becomes easier. Think about a marriage. And this is interesting that I say marriage because God actually likens our relationship to a marriage. Our our relationship with him to a marriage. Think about how hard it is sometimes when we start to get to know someone, we ask the questions, what do you like to eat? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? Emmy knows because she's asked those questions and she spent time with me, she knows my favorite color's purple, right? Do you understand what I'm getting at? The more time that you spend with this God, the more time that you follow him, the more time that you devote to him, you will learn more and more and more of his heart. You'll just get it. You'll just get it. And so when he says, go and pray over that person in Giant Eagle, it's not this like heart-wrenching discussion. You're like, oh yeah, sounds great. I'll go pray. Because you are more and more aligned. Look at this. I love this. One of my other favorite scriptures, Psalm 37. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. A lot of us look at that as in he gives me what I want. No, perhaps he transplants his desires into your heart. And so through the course of my relationship with him, when I'm committing my plans to him, my 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 walk aligns closely with what he would want. And I'm growing in that more and more. And the Spirit will lead me more and more. And I'll figure it out each and every day. As you spend more time with Him, as you follow Him, His plans will become clearer and you will align in a greater way. Church, I want to end with this. When we place our life in His hands, the cost is that we would also place our plans in His hands. He says, take up your cross and follow me. You think my day consists of taking up my cross. It's not what I plan to do on Sunday morning. But if it's his will, and if it's what he wants me to do, that's the cost. Amen, church? The cost, let me summarize it. The price of priority, the price of self, the price of comfort, 
and the price of your plans. If you take those four things, pray on them, consider them, you'll find yourself in a deeper, realer, <laughs> overwhelming relationship with Christ. Again, I'm not preaching at you this series. Man, I feel like I'm learning just as much. And I have a long way to go. Can we pray? God, I want, I want your plans. Help me to discover more of your heart. Help me to learn how you speak. Help me to learn what directions you want to go, left or right. Help me. Help me just to learn how you move. My desire is not that my will would be done, but that your will would be done. And I hope that everyone in this room and I, yes, we might be imperfect at points, but I pray that we would get better at the your will be done, but your will be done, except God. I pray that those, the but and the except would not be a part of our language and our verbiage with you anymore, that when we get the call to invite a murderer and a, and a persecutor in our house, we would say, yes, amen, your will be done. And God, knowing that this extravagant, irrational step, this plan that you are placing before us is going to resolve not in the benefit, not in all of the sorting out of only our life, but it is going to change the course of history. It is going to change our city. It's going to change our families. It's going to change our friends. May we commit to a life of your will being done. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Come on, let's stand together and let's worship.